You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Good day and welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Gansert. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's lovely but very hot here in Washington, D.C. where I'm recording. And I'm sure it's not much cooler wherever you may be listening. Hope everyone's having a great summer and able to recharge their batteries before things start getting hectic in the fall as they always do. Well, we've got a great summer show for you today with a pair of guests who will be inspirational. They'll be calling in live from the great state of Tennessee, one of my favorite states. And they are there today doing some incredibly inspirational work, assisting in the care of 10 animals who were seized in an alleged animal cruelty case. We'll be joined by American Humane Association's Josh Carey, an operations specialist with our Red Star Rescue Team, and of course, the wonderful Dr. Jennifer Dunlap, a famed equine veterinarian who is there providing care for these animals in crisis and in need. More to come a bit later in the show on this. Speaking of the fall, one thing in the back of our minds is, of course, back to school. And I want to talk with you briefly about some exciting new research from American Humane Association out just this week that could really help teachers and school children around the country. Helping to care for a furry or a skelly class pet can be fun and an exciting exercise for anyone who's a school child. But did you know that having a hamster, a guinea pig, a lizard, or a goldfish in the classroom has real educational leadership and character-building value? Moreover, a class pet can teach children important values like compassion, empathy, respect, and responsibility for living things, as well as to give them a much-needed leadership skills and stress relief. That's what American Humane Association researchers found out while compiling the results of our first phase of a two-phase study, Pets in the Classroom, which you can now read at AmericanHumane.org. This study's objective is to advance the research of Pet Care Trust Pets in the Classroom program, which provides grants to pre-K through 8th grade educators to adopt and provide for ongoing care for small animals in their classrooms. Between November 2014 and February 2015, teachers who had received a Pet Care Trust grant and had cared for their classroom pet for at least three months were asked to participate in online surveys or phone interviews with American Humane Association researchers with the goal of learning about their experiences to date. The first phase of this study endeavored to find out how classroom pets are being utilized throughout the U.S. and Canada and what the perceived benefits and challenges of keeping pets in today's classroom really are. By far, the most common classroom pets adopted by surveyed teachers were fish. 31% of the Pet Care Trust grants were for teachers with fish. I love that. The next most common type of classroom pet was the guinea pig, followed by the hamster, the bearded dragon, and the leopard gecko. Overall, findings indicate that teachers view both the uses and the benefits of classroom pets as primarily centering around six objectives. First of all, to teach children responsibility and leadership via animal care. So important. Secondly, to teach children compassion, empathy, and respect for all living things, including animals, humans, nature, and the world we share. Thirdly, to enhance and enrich a variety of traditional academic lessons from science to language arts. Fourth, 
to provide an avenue for relaxation when children are stressed or when their behavior is unstable or challenging to manage. You know, typically for developing children and those with special needs. The next one is to help children and students feel comfortable and engaged in the classroom with their peers so the school environment is more conducive to quality learning. And finally, to expose students to new experiences and opportunities, which may translate to a decrease in unfounded fears and biases among children. According to our survey and interview participants, the primary challenge of having a classroom pet was spending out-of-pocket money to care for the pet on a daily and long-term basis. Assuming responsibility of the pet care and other accommodations when school's not in session. And finally, ensuring safe, productive, and educational interactions between the kiddos and the pets. You know, as I think about this incredible research effort, I know that one of the findings that was most impactful to me was the fact that pets in the classroom are really very helpful for students to learn how to cope with pet loss. Managing and coping with pet loss is something we all, all of us animal lovers, know is so hard to deal with. And for students with classroom pets, it's very important lesson early on in terms of their ability to understand and embrace the beautiful power of the human-animal bond. The results from this phase not only provide important contributions to the existing area of human-animal interaction, but they also highlight the welfare needs of classroom pets and will be used to design a rigorous study for phase two that's going to measure the impact of classroom pets on children in select U.S. and Canadian elementary schools. Wow. The results of this research will not only provide important contributions to the exciting area of human-animal research, but they will also highlight the welfare needs of classroom pets. We hope that this study will help us to examine and measure the degree to which these animals can really help develop and benefit young people's academic growth, social, and leadership skills. And of course, we all know that such an endeavor will help to instill in these kiddos our next generation, the vital value of compassion, which will benefit all the world's animals. Our deepest thanks to the Pet Care Trust for their generous grant to American Humane Association to conduct this very important study. And again, all of our listeners can find this valuable research from Phase 1 of Pets in the Classroom study on our website, AmericanHumane.org. We'll be back with a pair of humane heroes who can tell us what they're seeing in Tennessee as they're caring for 10 animals who were in critical condition just a few days ago. My colleague Scott Sowers will be on the line in just a few minutes with this innovative and interesting interview about what we're learning from deployments on the ground with Red Star Rescue. Thanks so much for listening. This is Be Humane with Dr. Robin Gansert on Pet Life Radio. We'll be right back after this brief message. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Amazing Pet Expos is coming to a city near you. Admission is always free, and your pet is welcome. Shopping, adoptions, free nail trims, discounted shots and microchipping, agility, a pet costume contest, and much more. Plus, meet the guys from Animal Planet's hit TV series, Tank and Pit Boss, online at AmazingPetExpos.com. Bring your pets to the Pet Expo. Hey everybody, this is Tim Link, the host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Got some exciting news for you here today. My audiobook is now available. Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail is now available in audiobook form through audible.com, amazon.com, and iTunes. 
collection of 32 conversations I've had with the animals. It's a fun, interesting, heartfelt book that's suitable for all age groups. So everybody pick up a copy of the audiobook, Wagging Tails, Every Animal Has a Tail. You'll be glad you did. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Be Humane with Dr. Robin Gansard on Pet Life Radio. I'm Scott Sowers with the American Humane Association, and I'll be filling in for Robin with our upcoming interview. We have on the line with us two humane heroes, as Robin mentioned in the last segment. We have Josh Carey from our Red Star team and noted equine veteran Dr. Jennifer Dunlap. And both Josh and Dr. Dunlap have been in Tennessee for the past couple weeks, helping to care for 10 animals, seven horses, two mules, and a mini horse who were seized in a raid by the Fayette County, Tennessee Sheriff's Department. Well, welcome, Josh and Dr. Dunlap. How are you doing today? Well, we're doing good. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for all you're doing. So I guess let's just start and tell our listeners why we were called in to, to Tennessee to help with these animals. Um, we called in Red Star Team mainly because the descendant was practicing water deprivation and had them out on tie lines, uh, was giving them one to two sips of water a day. So as you can imagine, this time of year in this part of the country, the severe dehydration these animals were in. So what was the situation with the animals when you found them in the field? Were they in critical condition? or They were. Uh, the defendant had actually given away two of the worst horses, and those were uh, placed on a busy road. So we had a lot of the public calling the sheriff's department, uh, reporting those. So when I went out with the animal control officer to see those two, we went and did a welfare check at his farm, and that's when we found more horses in bad shape. The day of the seizure, we had three that had been given tainted water by the defendant, and those received emergency IV fluids in the field. How long did it take to get the horses and mules stabilized before you could move them out of the field? You mentioned giving them IV fluids. Was it Were they able to stand, or are they too weak to do so? Uh, they were standing when, uh, when we got there, and because of the IV fluids and, and starting to, to get their systems balanced back out, we actually had two separate properties to, to go on and collect the animals, and it took us about five hours to, to complete all of that. And because this is an animal cruelty case, we kept the location secret where the animals were being held after we took them out of the field, but we gave them 24-hour around-the-clock care with uh, Dr. Dunlap and her team, as well as our Red Star team of staff volunteers. Talk a little bit about the facility where you were holding them. We, we brought them in a, uh, a barn where each one has their own stall. A couple of them we were able to actually double up the stalls so they, they could kind of move around throughout the day so, so they weren't just in a standard 10 by 10. From there, it was, you know, kind of getting them on the routine of back into the, the care that they should have been getting, you know, with, with food and water. And, and since they were so dehydrated and starved, we had to introduce food and water back to them. Dr. Dunlap will, will speak on the, the medical side of that. So they didn't actually really know what to do with the food when you gave it to them? They just didn't know to eat, that it was for them to eat? or They did. Um, one thing that we do in these situations, because even their organs have shrunk, so their stomach has shrunk, and the shape that they're in at this point with their electrolytes out of whack and this dehydrated, our big risk factor is colic. So what we did and what we typically do in these cases is give them like little handfuls of alfalfa hay, which is very easy to digest every two hours, and then gradually build up from there. You know, the nice thing about having Red Star in is just the expertise that they bring where they were able to rig the stalls for IV fluids. We had oxygen running to two that were in very bad shape initially, 
and with it sort of running a 24-hour ICU, we slowly sort of brought them back to life. And so talk about the progress these animals have made in the couple weeks since you've been there. How are they doing now? Well, they're doing great. It's really been tremendous. We certainly have some. Those that are staying locally are those that will need continued care. One of the horses had a, a long-standing fungal eye infection, so he's staying locally so that I can continue to care for him. And then the rest of them are being uh, moved up to Horse Haven of Tennessee in Nashville. That's fantastic. I understand, and Josh is always helpful in providing updates every day. I understand one of them uh, named Dolly is, is pregnant. Is that right? That's right. She is pregnant. And mom and baby are okay, though? Yes, they're doing very well. We certainly expect her to have a, a normal pregnancy and hopefully a normal delivery. Wonderful. When do you think she'll have the baby? She's about seven months along right now. So she's, she's still got four months to go. Okay. Well, it's a good thing that we were able to, to catch it and you know give her the, the care that she and her, her baby needs. So thank you so much for that. Talk a little bit about the transportation. I understand right now you're in the midst of, of transporting the animals to some of those local rescue groups. And then after that, we're going to shut down operations in Tennessee. Yeah, we've got kind of the, the local area. We've got some fosters that have stepped up to help keep some of the horses that have a, a little bit more issues. Keep going down the path that's being stabilized and, and, and healthy. So we're in the process of delivering them to them. And then tomorrow we're going to take the remaining six up to uh, Horse Haven, where they essentially kind of do the same thing. They've got a foster network. The, the, the horses will go to individual farms and then be entered into a, their adoption to where you know people can come and look at them and, and adopt them if they're qualified. That's, that's wonderful. You know, and this is our third such equine deployment to Tennessee in just about the past 18 months alone. Is there something in particular that happens in Tennessee, or do we just, why have we responded so frequently to these horse cases in Tennessee? These issues happen all across the country. Uh, what's kind of going on in Tennessee is there really is a very proactive district attorney's office and then with Dr. Dunlap providing her services to the not only the county but that district, they have a pretty effective team to to actually handle the complaints and then do something about it. This 24-hour operations that we do is, is very labor-intensive. Um, yeah. So, you know, anywhere that didn't have some of this stuff in place throughout the country, it would be really hard for them to tackle it without having each one of those pieces in place already and, and supporting each other. Yeah. Dr. Dunlap, how did you first get involved with Red Star? Because I know you've been just a wonderful asset, you and your, and your team, just, just for, for a long time. Talk about your, your involvement with us. I was asked to be the head veterinarian during the Memphis Flood Disaster Shelter in 2011, and Red Star joined the huge group of national organizations. I uh, guess a week after I started as the head vet, and Red Star, right from the beginning, set themselves up as sort of heads and tails above the rest of the, the groups with their professionalism, their depth of knowledge, um, the dedication of their volunteers, and certainly the skill set and the knowledge that their you know, very small but dedicated staff have. And it was after working with them at the flood disaster shelter, I was fortunate to work with them again on a case of dogs being transported across the country in a hoarding case. And each time that I've worked with Red Star, it just reemphasized to me um, that they're really the only team that I'd ever want to call in. Well, thank you. We appreciate the kind words. When you're not helping the Red Star team, which, you know, it has been very frequently, what's your day job like, your day-to-day? Uh, it's very busy. I have a, I take care of about 4,000 horses in my equine veterinary practice. Wow. And is that all over Tennessee or multiple states? or? Um, we cover 21 counties. And then that's all ambulatory. We're in the process of building a hospital. But it's sort of in my little corner of West Tennessee. And then we do go down into Mississippi. 
Great. Josh, you've been a longtime member of our Red Star team. You've been on pretty much every major deployment we've had for the last few years. Talk a little bit about you know, what it's like to deploy with the Red Star team, both as a, a staff member and you know, for anyone who might be interested in volunteering with our team. Uh, it really is a, a unique uh, opportunity. Pretty much every deployment I go out, you know, there's a time where I stop and just think of how amazing it is to bring a group of people from all across the country into one place with varying backgrounds, different professions, but all with the, the single goal of, of caring for the animals. And, and we really do put together a very professional team, and we will do anything humanly possible for the animals. So it's, it is really cool to be able to bring that together and, and get it for, you know, the one mission of, of helping the animals out. Yeah, and, and you, I know you do a lot of the driving of our famous big rig, which we, we all call Lucy. What sort of reactions do you get when you're driving that thing across the country to deployments or trainings or, or other events? A lot of people, uh, especially going down the road, if, if they're passing me, you'll see when they recognize what the truck is about. And they'll slow down, they'll take out their phone and take pictures. When they go by, they wave, thumbs up all the time for the work that we do. It's quite the sight. For any of our listeners who haven't seen it, we have pictures available on our website. It's a big 18-wheeler truck that's fully outfitted to any kind of animal rescue. It can house a member of our team. We have a mobile command unit. It's quite the vehicle. And then we also have a number of regional response vehicles. We have one that's based in the Northeast and one that's based in Florida. And our Northeast vehicle was actually there with you in Tennessee. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, we had uh, Jeff Iyer bring it down. He's our Northeast Regional staff, but he brought it down, and we based operations off of it for a week and a half, and it's moved on to its next location. You know, you were with our members of our Florida team a few months ago during Be Kind to Animals Week for our Kindness 100 tour. You went with a Florida rig and traveled around to some schools all across the state of Florida and bringing the message of Red Star and compassion and Be Kind to Animals to hundreds of kids around Florida. What was that like? It was unique. It's it's always uh, it's good to to be able to talk to children and try to pass on the knowledge. The younger, the better, because it just helps the way animals get treated for the future. So you know, it, it minimizes some of the issues that we, we'll see in the future if we can continue to get education out to the children. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know that you told me you were in the midst of uh, transporting some of these horses to and from some of the local rescue groups. So I won't keep you for too long, but uh, I just want to thank you once again on behalf of American Humane Association and thank you, Dr. Dunlap, for for partnering with us in all these deployments. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much to you and your team. Well, thank you very much. All right. Well, and just as a reminder for listeners, we have plenty of photos on our Facebook page of this deployment and some of the other ones. And it'll be really easy to recognize Josh. He's the guy with the big beard and he's in a lot of our photos. So he's, he's easy to spot, but uh, he's always there whenever our Red Star team is there for animals, whenever they're in need. So thank you so much. And we'll be right back with more Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at PetLadyWorld. 
It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Pet Life Radio. You're listening to Be Humane with Dr. Robin Gansert. You have just heard a very interesting interview hosted by my colleague Scott Sowers with Josh Carey of our Red Star Rescue Team and Dr. Jennifer Dunlap, a wonderful, wonderful veterinarian who has responded to this recent horrific abuse case in Tennessee. You know, you've heard about the work of Red Star Rescue and caring for 10 animals seized in this alleged animal cruelty case. And I have to tell you, this news of abuse isn't surprising for those of us who work on the front line with animals. This is not the first time American Humane has been in Tennessee for abuse cases such as this. In fact, that we've been there multiple times over the past 18 months, seeing some terrible cases, particularly with horses. You know, American Humane's Red Star Rescue is about ready to celebrate 100 years, 100 years of working on the front lines of rescuing animals in times of crisis. And friends, the crises continue. Just like we were called to Tennessee, we've been called to shelters in New Jersey. We've been called to hoarding cases in multiple states, dog fighting rings that we've busted and that we have taken care of those animals post-bust. I tell you, the cruelty cases are continuing in rapid number. You know, this is why we at American Humane so support the work of our colleagues in Red Star Rescue. It's important work. They do it as volunteers, so many of them. And we're so grateful. A hundred years of efforts, thanks to the volunteers of Red Star Rescue and the staff, in really saving the lives of millions of animals. For those of you that don't know the backstory of Red Star Rescue, we were founded on the battlefields of World War One. Yes, it was the U.S. Secretary of War that asked American Humane Association to go overseas and rescue the cavalry horses. Yes, we were able to provide life-saving care for so many of those war horses in the most unimaginable of circumstances of the trench warfare in World War One. Those of you that have seen Steven Spielberg's powerful film, War Horse, you know the backstory of what it was to be part of Red Star Rescue a hundred years ago. Today, we find ourselves called in all parts of the world, working on animal cruelty, abuse cases, disaster response, like the fine work we did in responding to the needs after the multiple disasters in Fukushima. We're there on the ground, providing life-saving care for these animals in crisis. And as we enter the month of August... We'll be noting a milestone 10 years post-Hurricane Katrina. 
And I tell you, 10 years later, American Humane Association has really embraced a regional rescue model that is just stellar in terms of its ability to provide almost immediate response to the top disaster regions in our country. More to come later in the fall as we have some big announcements with Red Star Rescue as work continually to expand this life-saving and life-affirming program around the country. Well, friends, thanks for tuning in today. Special thanks to Josh Carey, who's our Red Star staffer on the ground in Tennessee. Kudos and and our gratitude to Dr. Jennifer Dunlap for her service to Red Star Rescue. Thanks to Scott Sowers for hosting that interesting interview. And certainly thanks to all of our Red Star Rescue volunteers and our donors who make this life-saving work possible. You are listening to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Dr. Robin Ganser. Remember this week and every week to be humane. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.